because, hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness, I'm Rodney, over there's Steve. Hey. Hey. And uh, today we are journeying into the neon-laden depths of Night City with Cyberpunk Red. The latest in the Cyberpunk series of tabletop role-playing games. That's right, this goes back to 1984, correct? Uh, I want to say you are correct, but you might be wrong. It might be 1988. Hold no, on. that's what the introduction said, I think, was 1984. Okay, well, <laughs> the 80s. It goes back to the 80s. Right, Which right. was the, the heyday of cyberpunk. Absolutely. Really. And we are looking at... Well, go ahead. I was going to say, one can even argue that outside of the context of the 80s... That cyberpunk really doesn't exist. <laughs> it is definitely very 80s, although I would say that this latest iteration, Cyberpunk Red, ha has been uh, gone through some updates uh, in a way that the fiction really hasn't. Yes. Um, the way that Taliesin Games, it's made by Taliesin Games, um, handled it was that every update of this game there have been uh, this is the third update I think there's cyberpunk cyberpunk 2020 and this cyberpunk red uh, they go forth in the the timeline of the, of the setting uh, what like 20 30 years something like that the the time of the red uh, is kind of indeterminate Um it, it's tied in with uh, the Fourth Corporate War, uh, which is also kind of tied into the lore surrounding 2077, the video game. Right. So the way these two, the, the video game, for the few who've actually been able to play it <laughs> because it was so buggy, <laughs> um, the way they... they they interact, I guess, is uh, strewn throughout the Cyberpunk Red uh, rulebook is a story. Mm -hmm. The story of Johnny Silver. Yep. And the Cyberpunk uh, 2077 plot involves um, the events from this story. Mm -hmm. um, and... I, I don't want to give any spoilers away. It involves the events from this story and the uh, return of characters. Right, right. Also... Through, um, through cyberpunk methods. Right, and the, the the importance of the story, and there there is actual a gameplay mechanical uh, purpose to this piece of fiction, and we'll talk about that in part two. Uh, this is part one of a two-part series. We are looking at the first half of the book, Basically dealing with character creation and gameplay. Yeah, it's it's basically the the mechanics. There's mm -hmm. a lot of pages. <laughs> yes, I, I will say that Cyberpunk Red, the core rule book, is an absolute doorstop. Uh, <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah, of, it's, of, uh, of a book. It's like it's 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 a chunky boy. Pages long. It's yeah. five hundred pages long. Um, and it, 
it's very complicated, but it's not very complicated, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, it, it seems complicated, but it's organized fairly well, uh, and concepts are introduced uh, in, in a specific order. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, there, there are bits and bobs of mechanical details that are introduced in passing that you don't really get to till later. Right. So th- there's a core mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. The core mechanic is simple as fuck. It's your stat plus your relevant skill plus a D10 versus either a predetermined uh, target number called a DV or a uh, opposed role from an opponent's um, stats, which are the exact same thing, mm-hmm. right? So your opposed role is going to be their their um, their stat, skill, and the D10, right? Right. Yep. That's how everything goes from trying to sneak to trying to chop somebody up with a katana to um, trying to hack into a computer. That's how it all works. Yep. Yep, it's it's really really nice and fluid. Uh, you can you can it's it's pretty quick as far as resolution goes, because it's like nineteen. Okay, I got an eighteen. You fail next turn. <laughs> right. Um, it doesn't bother with uh, minutia, or so far it hasn't. It might once we get into the equipment section. Um, of like different types of guns that have light light pistols, medium pistols, heavy pistols, right? Right. Everything else is window dressing. All light pistols do the same damage. Blah blah blah. Yeah, you do have. Um, uh, they do mention in the web the early gear section that there are mod slots that you can add to your gun to customize it, which is pretty yeah. cool. I mean, you know, you don't get a lot of games like that where you can add stuff to your weapons. Uh, you know, to make them more effective and make them more fitting with the type of character that you're playing. Right. I agree. Um, so Rodney, if you, it's so simple, you say, what do you mean that it's complicated? (laughs) Well, I mean, it is presented to you as a wall of text. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) With a lot of different charts and whatnot, but I did go through and create a character. Uh, it took me, including flipping the pages, uh, the first character I ever created, I did use uh, something we'll talk about in a second. And it took me about 30 minutes start to finish. And as I created the character, I sort of got a better handle on how the game works. So... My question to you is going to be, because there are three different types of character creation. Yes. Right? There's a, a uh, really easy one, which is basically templates, uh, look it up and go. Mm-hmm. There's a slightly more complicated one where it is random tables and templates. Yes. And then there is the point buy system, mm-hmm. which involves a thousand tables. Yes. Uh, the which one did you do? All right. So the three levels are, are street rat, edge runner, and uh, complete. I think it is. 
The complete package. Yes, the complete package. Now, I used the street rat method just to see how simple template characters would be. Uh, and that, that took me, like I said, about a half an hour because I'm not familiar with where everything is and I had to flip and search. Right. And and for all these characters, you still have to do the uh, background, mm-hmm. which is a set of dice rolls on tables that kind of give you um, flavor to your character so you have something to role play. Um, I've seen similar... Uh, character creation processes for uh, Conan, the the Modifius 2D20 Conan mm-hmm. does that. And of course, as we all know, RuneQuest has perfected it to the point where you can't even uh, use a, a uh, what, what do you call it, the, the free PDF to create a character because... You have to have 20 pages of tables and history of Lorantha to to create a character. Right, right. Here, you can actually get away with not bothering with that. You're doing yourself a a disservice, but it doesn't uh, take away from gameplay. It doesn't give you any bonuses or anything like that. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, I actually went through and did the life path uh, generation and came up with some really interesting things for this this character I created. I, I created uh, a version of an existing character. I uh, went back and did uh, Duke Thompson. Um, for those of you who watched the actual play, Duke Thompson was a parody of Hunter Thompson. So you <laughs> made him a, a uh, what do they call it, a journalist? Uh, media. He's a media. A media. Yep. Uh, he... And I went through and, and, and found out that he's got enemies in the government. And he's uh, working for the release of a family member. And he has a loved one who's imprisoned by the government. <laughs> and it, it, it came, rolled into this, like, backstory that, that, was, that flowed really nicely together into creating this kind of character that I had envisioned in my head of this street smart uh, investigative reporter. In fact, investigative reporter was the career life path random role that I got. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. That he's an investigative journalist who publishes books. So he's kind of like Bob Woodward. Right. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the different... um, types of characters you can create. They're called roles. Yes. Just so everyone knows. And in, in this a little on the nose for a role playing game. <laughs> right. In this particular iteration, because they, they've always been roles in the previous two um, pub, um, editions of Cyberpunk. You've had your roles and I think they're the same roles. The way roles function in this one is a little bit different. Um, so your role gives you a role ability that makes any sense for example um the media has their own role called credibility right uh a rocker boy right mm-hmm. gotta have your rocker boy has charismatic impact yep yep um, and that's the only thing that they get that differentiates them from other characters so you don't have skills that are based on your role uh, nothing like that 
It's just really you have a one special ability, right? Right. But the rest rest of your skills, you can take whatever you want. There's some basic ones that you get automatically. Yeah, there's uh, uh, so street skills that are pretty much universal skills. So, just so you can live in the world and survive for more than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, because apparently this is a very deadly game. Um, Night City's a, a rough place. Yes. So you have your rocker boy, your solo, which is your uh, fighter type, your net runner, which is more or less a wizard, uh, mm-hmm. a tech, um, who is your, uh, your, your, I don't know. They don't have a D and D equivalent of this. He's your tinkerer, mm-hmm. fixes stuff, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, med tech, which is your cleric. Mm-hmm. Uh, your media, we've it's a new news reporter of some type. Um, your exec, which is uh, your West character. <laughs> it's uh, Paul Reiser in uh, Aliens would be an exec. It's someone who works for the corporation. Right. Uh, you could be a cop, a lawman. Uh, a fixer who is someone who gets jobs for people is like a professional middleman mm-hmm. um, and a nomad, which is kind of like a um, it's your wheel man. Like your mad, yeah, it's like your Mad Max kind of a uh, guy with a mohawk, leather armor. Yeah, it's it's probably easier. Families, yeah, it, families of uh, raiders. Yeah, it, it's probably easier to to think of. Uh, roles in cyberpunk not necessarily as fantasy classes but as as the positions of a team in a heist movie because right. cyberpunk games really kind of rely on that cre- put together a crew and and go steal some shit kind of right kind that's of. the trope that's definitely the trope that they're they're working with here so you know you so the have your your charismatic face then you have your middleman you have your technical expert you got your medic you know you got your uh media guy who who also basically functions as a, a detective of sorts you know your hype him. man he's flavor flav yeah he's also a hype man uh the exec is you know your corporate type your lawman is as you said a cop um, I like that the lawman's class ability is more cops. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it does give you a caveat that if you are going to be playing a lawman or a um, exec, that you might want to rethink your priorities. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like um, uh, execs and lawmen as as roles, their special abilities are uh, NPC generation. Yeah. <laughs> Right, I could I could see the value of having an exec as part of the team. Mm-hmm. I almost feel that the exec function would be a better NPC, whereas right. it would be one of one of your patrons for a, a party mm-hmm. would be an exec. Yeah, because uh, really, because when you look at the exec's ability, if you flip forward to like the actual role ability descriptions, uh, it's it's pretty much that you have your own to, you to have use your own a, squad yeah you have your own squad to to use a uh, 
a term from another game. You have your own group of shadow runners that are under your employ as it is. So it's like, yeah, I, I guess if you're playing with only like two or three players, you know, or, or you can have, you can have NPCs that fill other roles. And right. Need. Right. I mean, you don't have like rocker boys on staff, but you might have a couple of solos and net runner attack a med tech or something or a media right. guy in your pocket. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of that would be to reinforce roles, and the lawman's backup ability is basically putting more guns on the field if you're in a on the ground on the ground in in a shootout that uh, is kind of out of your weight class. If you're punching out of your weight, call in backup. Right, and you got but some cannon fodder. What would a lawman be doing running around with you, fucking scum, anyway? Uh, a crooked one, uh, you know, your typical action movie cop who's always bending the law in the first place, that sort of thing. It would be just Ving Ramos. That's who it would be. Yeah. Now, back to the three methods of character creation. I, I really enjoy uh, the fact that you have those three types of intricacies because I did use a street rat template combo and, and came up with a really good mix of skills to start out with. Uh, and I think that's a great way if you're a GM and you pick up this book and you're trying to like convince your players to play. It's like, look, you don't have to do this whole point by thing. That's for the expert level players with who want like full customization. If you just want to bring it to the table... Just use the templates. Right. Well, yeah, it's kind of like uh, WG Star Wars. Yeah. You want to play a smuggler? Here's the stats for a smuggler. Fill in your own flavor. Right. Except you can go beyond that in this. So you have, it runs a gamut from WG Star Wars to full-on Traveler. Mm -hmm. In terms of character creation. Right. Well, kind of. Except you can't die. That's true. Just wait for your uh, your run to do that. That's right. Now characters are pretty sturdy. Uh, you know, I, I've noticed that a starting character is pretty tough. Yeah, I've got an investigative reporter here that's got uh, got uh, forty hit points right off the bat. And when large weapons are doing 46, yeah, at a maximum roll, you're going to take two hits before you die. But you can take some punishment for a starting character. Right. And and what, one thing I did notice is that it's uh, scalability is stressed in this game, at least from the point of view of the people who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... A lot of the DM tips or GM tips say, you know, think about who who's playing um, and make it, you know, challenging but survivable. Right, right. It didn't say not to kill anybody, but it said make it challenging and survivable. Uh, right. Because the, the one thing is, like, no one likes to play a game and die within the first 10 minutes. Well, yeah, and and in these types of games, getting away with the heist by the skin of your teeth, that's the thrill. Yeah, I agree. Uh, This is one of those games where uh, everything's supposed to go wrong. 
Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to, your plan is supposed to go tits up, you know, halfway through your run. Right. You're, you're supposed to run into something that you didn't expect, like, you know, extra muscle or a, a bit more black ice than you were expecting in the network or whatever. Right. Exactly. Or, or even um, the princesses in the other castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly that uh, sort of thing that, you know, misinformation, uh, you know, there's a lot of lie. There's, there's equal amounts action and atmosphere and politics in this game. You're supposed to be a participant in the world of Night City, uh, which means, you know, you're participating in the economy. You're supposed to be buying new gear, upgrading your cyberware, getting new shit. Fixing your shit when it breaks because your armor does paying, wear down. Paying rent. Paying rent. Buying groceries. Uh, going out and partying. You know, it's all about, you know, you got to get into the, the, the scene of it. And there is an aesthetic that goes with cyberpunk. And you are, as a player, kind of expected to to be that. I mean, one of the fucking stats is cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you're supposed to be like yeah my character's decked out in a fucking leather trench coat kevlar weave underneath mirror shades fingerless gloves i got a big fucking mohawk that flops over and clubber covers my cyber jack <laughs> sort of thing i got razors that pop out of my knuckles i gotta you can get that you can actually build wolverine in this game yep <laughs> You can, you can, you can pretty much any, any science fiction dystopia archetype, you can pretty much build. Well, they would call it Molly Millions, but yeah, you yeah. Can, you can right. You could be Molly Millions, you can be Johnny Mnemonic, um, <clears throat> you can be uh, Decker. Okay, there you go, there's a law man. Yep. Uh, you can be uh, any. You can be Judge Dread, <laughs> and I think I think Judge Dread is kind of like the, the template Robo-Cop. for law enforcement. RoboCop. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of different science fiction things that all mesh together in the world of of uh, cyberpunk, and and yeah, it, you got to have flash and substance to 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 get it going right. I mean, they talk about what your hairstyle is, what kind of clothes you wear. So you're really supposed to be like getting in and visualizing who you are in this world. Right. It sounds exhausting. (laughs) But, you know, it's one of those things that a lot of that shit happens at the table. You know, as you as you're playing the character, uh, you start developing quirks and whatnot that are, you know, it just becomes who your character is. Right. No, I, 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 I gotcha. I just have a thing against role-playing eating breakfast. <laughs> well, you don't necessarily have to do that part. You eat breakfast. It costs you 10 Euro bucks because you decide to eat at an upscale restaurant, but you know, you don't have to actually do to breakfast is you know you do shit with style while you're doing your run or making the deal 
Right. You know, you're so, supposed to be meeting your contacts all up in the club. <laughs> right. Part of this kind of reminded me, uh, and I'm sure it's it's the other way around, to be honest with you, of um, uh, red markets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where, you know, you have to, you're trying to, to get jobs and, and hump jobs and, and try and, uh, wheel and deal and get good prices and, and all that shit. Yeah. It's and also kind of like, like Traveler. Yeah. I guess Red Market is a little bit more um, concerned with the the uh, nitty gritty of actually making the deal as opposed to this where it's like, uh, you know, they have that mini game mm-hmm. in Red Markets where, you know, you're pushing and pulling uh, different. I didn't catch that. I didn't throw it. <laughs> Speaking of cyberpunk dystopias. <laughs> That's right. Hi, Siri. Don't answer that. Um, so anyway, Red Markets has that that um, mini game. And this is more of an opposed um, skill role. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to see if you can get better better prices and stuff like that. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely got that like that um, traveler esque feel to it, where you know you you. But it seems like in, in traveler, uh, people are approaching you for jobs, right? Right. A mysterious little chicken thing comes up to you and starts speaking gobbledygook. Yeah. But or, as far you know, as like your lodging and stuff noble. like that. A deposed noble comes at you, and her brother's been kidnapped, and mm-hmm. stuff, stuff like that. Whereas here, it's like you know, let's go to the fixer. Let's see if there's any any jobs available. Right. So, you go to the fixer. You go up in the club. You order a couple of drinks, and it's like a deposed exec has had their brother kidnapped by a bunch of gangers they were hanging out with. <laughs> right. And they need some mean motherfuckers to get him back. Unfortunately, they got you. They didn't want to do it, so the mean motherfuckers didn't want didn't like the paycheck. So uh, we called you guys, right? Well, and that's the other thing. It's like if you're if you're going with starting characters, you're trying to build up your street reputation. There's mm-hmm. a a system for that um, where you have you know it's actually your rep. Yep. Yep. You can actually um, you can have face downs with other people like. You know, almost like that old west or samurai style duel where you just like, what you gonna do about it? And you just well, stare at each other, like, like an anime where you have the two strong guys facing off each other and they flex and their shirts pop open. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you, you Full Metal Alchemist people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think they did that in Castle in the Sky too, right? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Castle in the Sky. Gotta see Castle in the Sky. It's classic. Anyway, speaking of dystopian futures. Yeah, the only two Miyazaki films I've seen is uh, Spirited Away. Uh, well, actually, three Princess Mononoke and uh, Castle of Cogliostro. Ah. Because Castle of Cogliostro is one of the best heist films ever made. Yeah, you still need to watch Castle in the Sky. So, 
Uh, after the character creation and you get all your, your skills and equipment and stuff, and we get into the the uh, part where... So it sounds pretty simple so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the part where it kind of gets a little bit off the rails in terms of um, having to look shit up to be able to do things. Oh, are you talking about combat? <laughs> I am talking about combat. So, in theory, combat is very simple. You roll your 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 appropriate skill, your appropriate um, um, attribute, yeah. skill. Thank you. Attribute, skill, and D10. Um, your opponent does the same. And there you go. Who hit whom? Not quite that simple, though. Because instead of abstracting range... Yes. They have very specific ranges for weapons, but they recommend that you theater of the mind shit. Mm -hmm. They say, you know, you don't need to use maps. Don't use maps. You can use maps, but you don't have to use maps. You can use maps and miniatures, and that's the way we're going to write combat <laughs> but we're going to tell you you don't need to right that, you, that we prefer it if you don't actually it actively says that mm-hmm. um so everything has a has a range yes i think it's five fortunately the range is yeah but they are codified it's not like each gun has a different um like a pistol's long, medium, and short, and whatever is the same as rifles, right? So the ranges are are the same, mm-hmm. as opposed to some games. I think Call of Cthulhu, where the ranges depend on the weapon. Right, right. Well, your ranges are the same, but your sweets each gun type has a sweet spot DV. That's right. like the ideal so, range for that weapon. Right, which, you know, you, you figure that whoever is wielding that weapon actually writes that information down. They won't. <laughs> well, it's it's on so, the it's on the chart, so it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm shooting well, at a guy... Everybody has to have access to that chart. Right. I'm shooting at a guy 55 yards away with a heavy pistol. You know, okay, well, 55 yards is whatever it happens to be. I don't have the book open to the chart. Therein lying the problem. Exactly. And it's a 500-page book. Right. Uh, Yeah, I think you were saying, as we were discussing it earlier in the week, that the GM screen is kind of a necessary addition to your arsenal. I I would say even for players... Well, I would think that because, uh, so I looked at the GM screen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that are on the GM screen is you have one for melee combat, right? It's a flow chart. Right. These are, f- the, 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 the panels from the screens are free. If you go to Talison Games, you can download them. Oh, really? Uh, so you have, yeah. So you have one for melee combat. Uh, you have one for uh, range weapon combat. 
you have one for for wounding. You have one for net running. Um, and then you have another one for um, just j that's your other combat one. Sorry. And then you have a big one for um, like calling in the trauma team um, stuff that you find, like what the DVs are for, for cyberware that you happen to rip off of people's out of people's heads. Um, the effects of cyberware, cyberpsychosis and mental trauma, street drugs, the whole, like anything that really that they gave you a chart right. is on there. Right. So it, it's, it, it definitely is one of those things that you really should have it. If you're running this game, you should really have it. Mm -hmm. like vehicles, uh, the reputation, face down stuff, um, the little car wars part of it. We'll get to that in a minute because it, there's this, it's totally car wars, <laughs> <laughs> crash tables, and it's awesome. Vehicular combat is treated like car war does. It's less complicated, but it's still car wars. It's pretty awesome. That's all I need to say about that. Um, but what once you get into things like vehicular combat, regular combat, uh, net running, anything that is like part of the action mm -hmm. part of the game, uh, there's a shit ton of charts. And rather than familiarize yourself with them all, I would just say download these pages or get the GM screen. Right. Just right. so you have it. You or or at the very it. least, if you if you can't do either of those, uh, get a invest in some bookmarks. <laughs> no, because I mean it's like highlighting a, a tech a text for school. Uh, once you highlight everything, nothing is highlighted. Right. That's true. If you bookmark everything. The entire book is bookmarked. Right. Or, you know, photocopy. Yep. Whatever. Photocopy the charts or, or you know, if you're I'm real old that, school, that. create an index for things you'll reference a lot in your GM notes. I will say that the panels that are free, <clears throat> free on uh, their webpage are convenient because they aren't surrounded by all the flavor text and the rules. It's just the charts. So once you know how to play the game, all you have to do is look up what you're doing. Right. Um, and obviously it's going to, you know, take you a little while to slog through actually playing it. Not that it's a slog, but you know, it's a new system or it might not be. So you might be familiar with it because apparently um, it really is just the old system with a few tweaks. Right, right. It, it does appear to be imposing at first because there are a lot of skills and they're organized kind of in the way uh, like Eclipse Phase skills were, where you have certain skills grouped by categories. That's a RuneQuest thing. Yes. And, however, you know... There are a lot of skills, and a lot of them have, you know, they provide their own flavor, and it would be an interesting thing to see how you can pull off using various skills to do various things. And there's so many skills that no 
no two characters are going to end up exactly the same unless you're street rat um, generating a character and you roll the exact same thing. Although all right. your skills pretty much come out the same. That makes sense. Yeah. But, in in addition to that, though, it seems like each role is unique enough with its own special ability that unlike, say, fantasy games or some other role-playing games where there seems to be some type of duplication of ability and place on the team, uh, it doesn't look like any of the cyberpunk roles are really duplicates of each other. They're all good at something, and each one of them feels unique. That's true. That's definitely true. They, they, it's not different flavors of the same thing. Or where, where you, you get that a lot in D&D, &D, mm. where you have, a, you know, uh, what is really the difference between the different spellcasting classes? Because they, it's just flavor. They have access to the same spells. Yep. More or less. More or less. You know, and it's like fighter, or even in BX. You know, when you have classes, you know, the advanced classes and the basic classes, a fighter, a knight, a paladin, you know, what is some real mechanical advantage to playing any of those? But so when you combine um, fighter and cleric, mm -hmm. and make a weaker because version of wants, both, right? But if nobody wants to play a cleric, right, you can play a paladin, right? Right. But it seems like each, like if you're going into a place and you don't have a net runner in your group. It's going to really change the dynamic of how something is played. Right. So let's talk a little bit about net running. Okay. Um, so my expectations, I've never played any of the, these cyberpunk games, to be honest with you. My expectations for net running were definitely completely and absolutely covered, colored by William Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, where that is the ultimate goal is, you know, jacking in and, and raiding up uh, corporate arcologies, right? Mm -hmm. And in this, it's more of a support role. So you're, you're going in there and instead of that being the goal, your, your job is there in there is to disable security, um, maybe get some intel. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that, but it's swipe. integrated into what everybody's doing. Right. Swipe so those you, files. You could, it could be the primary thing. Your primary goal could be a data file, right? Mm -hmm. In it, but it's not a, this disembodied thing. A net runner is there with you. They're jacked in. They have a uh, glasses that do it so they can see the world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and their job, basically, is to keep the meat people safer. Right, right. And vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, in something like uh, 
my experience with it, with it was uh, hearing about folks playing Shadowrun and decking it was just like nobody liked playing with a decker because they basically played their own mini game apart from everybody else where they were subsumed into cyberspace and they had to do this in this version of net running and I don't have a comparison with the older editions uh, yeah, you have that augmented reality feel where uh, as long as you're within, what is it, six yards of an access point, your connection is wireless, mm-hmm. which is which is a nice update to cyberpunk technology rather than hardwiring yourself into a computer. You connect through the Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, and pretty much, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, the, the as long as they're within the access point, and if they got to jack out of the access point or something like that, they lose all their progress, and then they got to go back in and do it all over again. But when that net runner says, "I'm in," you know, they can do use their actions per round to either do something in meat space or do something within the architecture. Right, and and once once they're actually in the architecture, it's you're working at light speed because it's the speed of thought. Mm-hmm. So they can do amazing amounts of things in a, in a given turn, which probably does slow everything down. But fortunately, most everything is a, is just a couple of die rolls. Right. Right. So, you know, uh, it's password. Okay. Um, I, I, what's the DV on the password and you roll and you make it. Yes. If not, you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Right. Or each I'm, action, yeah. Oh, and, and each action that you do costs a number of moves, right? In cyberspace, so, right. As you level up, so you get really, more, but right. But they're trying to to move it along. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it seems so. It, it doesn't slow down. Right. The way the way net running and net architectures are designed really seems like it's meant to be played in such a way where you put everybody in a set initiative and instead of changing initiative every you know time is like okay we're going to do it like this net runner always goes either first or last and while everybody else is doing your their turn you are deciding what you do before that and you go okay first thing i'm going to cloak Slide down to level two. Okay, there's a black ice there. Okay, um, fuck it. I'm gonna burn burn down to level three, and that's my three actions this round. Right. Okay, and then you know the top which, of the which, you know, which is all right. So I uh, run five feet, take a swing at him. Um, Crawl under his legs, pop up, take another swing, and then disengage for, or you know move away from him. Right, right. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I just did what two move actions and two uh, fighting actions, which is legal in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, gen- you general, move. you get one move, and then you get one attack action. However, with certain weapons. You can, most weapons have two attacks. Right. Most weapons have oh. two attacks. Um, I also like... Yeah, and you can split your move up. So, yeah, you can do exactly what you did. 
Um, so yeah, and you can make some real complex stylistic choices, uh, kind of the way Steve likes to play D and D monks. Yes, they do have like a complete and utter monks section. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, and it is a good idea that if you're playing cyberpunk to think of think uh, uh, at least a turn ahead as everybody else is going plan your actions ahead of time rather than going uh i shoot the floor well that's always a good <laughs> a good suggestion in any role playing game. yes yeah it's true it's true but i think cyberpunk is really kind of leans into that think ahead sort of sort of thing but yeah, I also like the rules for uh, designing net architectures, which you can do randomly, uh, or you mm -hmm. can plan it out. It's like, okay, you know, there's five levels, and you know, there's going to be a file on level four and level five. The bottom of once you get to the basement of the architecture, uh, that's when you can, you know, set off something cool. You know, to, right. to so fuck if, with them. That's when you can deliver your, your goal, goodies. Right. If your goal is to uh, take down, you know, city banks, um, cyber architecture, that's what you're doing while everyone's defending you while you're trying to do that. You know, or if that's like part of one of the step in the process, so you take it down so you can accomplish something else on your run. And everything kind of stalls and you, until you can do that. You know, it's, it's definitely, it, it's cool. It's something that you can play with as a GM. So it's not the same thing over and over and over again. Because um, looking at the flip side of how all this is, there's, um, it tends towards these tropes of runs and, you know, uh, breaking into places and getting files and I think that can get old pretty quickly if you don't switch it up a lot mm -hmm. different kind of missions personal beefs yeah. and stuff like that and and yeah right. that sort of thing is also part and parcel of of the cyberpunk universe is that not only are you uh, and it goes with the reputation system is not only are you doing these jobs but you're also kind of interacting with the neighborhood and the area. And, you know, there's other groups of runners who are all competing, you know, for the fame and the fortune and stuff like that. And you can have a beef with another group. And, right. And them trying to sabotage you. I mean, while you're on a job or while you're at the noodle shop. <laughs> So they, there's that aspect of uh, interpersonal relationships because you are trying to like build your reputation and how people see you because when it all comes down to it, you want to be a legendary runner. Right. I mean, that's what the whole first part of the book is. Mm -hmm. It's kind of what is your motivation for doing this? Mm -hmm. Blaze of glory. Yep. Better to burn out than fade away. Mm -hmm. all right well that uh that covers it for our first part 
of Cyberpunk Red, the role-playing game of the dark future. Yes, it's dark. It's so dark. But also well-lit. Yes, neonly well-lit. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, <laughs> I forgot to talk about cyberpsychosis. <laughs> Yep, well, we can do that next time as we're talking about the actual universe of cyberpunk. Yeah, I just I, I think it's kind of cool that they had cyberpsychosis in there. It's like their little um, sanity rules. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's very similar. And the, the gist of it is just that as you get more geared out, um, the, the more humanity you lose, which right. is a... a one of your characteristics. Right. Well, you can also lose humanity through seeing and doing some really heinous shit as well. Right. Which I think you're going to be doing. Right. Nobody's hands are clean in night city. Right. And, and and they just have it as they, they don't have this huge complicated, um, you know, sanity system. It's you just lose your humanity bit by bit and eventually you um, just grab a uh, disassociative disorder. Right. And that's it. And you're, and, and it encourages you to role play that being disaffected as opposed to, um, you know, penalties and everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and eventually uh, you become an NPC. Right. And the cyber, cyber psychotics are extremely dangerous, though, because they are heavily armed. Right, and they don't give a fuck. Right, exactly. That's all. Just just in there. Get it in there, because it is part of the game. It seems like an interesting part of the game, too. Yep, yep. yep. Make money. But, steal shit, make money, don't go crazy. Right. The, the big thing that this game, I guess, to me is missing is the inability to keep 30 luck points. Yes, but there is a stat called luck, and you can spend it. There it is. So it you keep keep as many luck as you have. Right. Well, it won't do any damn good if you're dying, though. That's right. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.